0: Evidence and Answers. Jesus stated in Matthew 24, verses 32 and 33, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things, you know that he is near. At the very gates. What are the signs that we should pay attention to regarding the return of Christ. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat now as he presents eight key signs that we should pay attention to as we await his return. Here in part one of a message entitled, Signs of Christ's Return.
1: Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour of his return, so we should be very cautious of anyone who claims to know the date of Christ's return. However, Jesus commanded us to be ready for his coming and to look for the signs that will mark his imminent return. Jesus stated in Matthew 24 verses 32 through 33, he said, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. So what are the signs that we should pay attention to regarding the return of Christ? Now, I'll admit there are some preachers who are quick to proclaim the return of Christ is at hand whenever any man-made crisis, natural disaster or cosmic anomaly arises. But not every major news headline signals the end of the age, and we should be very careful not to cry wolf too many times. However, there are significant signs that we should be aware of. Dr. Mark Hitchcock, in his great book, Seven Signs of the End Times, reveals some key signposts that indicate we are nearing the return of Christ. So in this series, we'll be going over his list. But I've also added one to his list of significant signs. Now, the first significant sign is the rebirth of the nation of Israel. The rebirth of the nation is one of the most significant events in modern times. And it's really a miracle how the nation of Israel was reborn. No nation in history has ever been able to maintain its national identity after being removed from her homeland and scattered for centuries. Jesus prophesied the exile of the Jews from their homeland in Luke 21, verse 24. He said, They, the Jews, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, this was part of the judgment against Israel because they rejected their Messiah. Well, Jesus' words were fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the Jerusalem temple, scattering the Jews from Israel. Now, in 118 AD, the Roman Emperor Hadrian allowed Jews to return and gave permission for them to rebuild the temple and the city. However, He retracted on his word and actually turned on the Jews. And the Jews under the leadership of Simon Bar Kokhba revolted against Rome in the famous Bar Kokhba revolt that lasted from 132 to 136 AD. Finally, Hadrian crushed the rebellion and the jews were once and for all scattered from israel and were in exile for nearly two millennia and as you know hadrian ended up putting up many pagan temples that were jewish and christian holy sites now the bible prophesied three exiles and return of the jews to their land the first departure and return was prophesied in genesis 15. In verses 13 through 14, the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Well, this was fulfilled with Israel's sojourn in Egypt and their return in the Exodus and the conquest that occurred under Joshua. Now, the second departure and return was predicted in Jeremiah 29, verse 10. The prophet writes, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. A 70-year exile in Babylon was predicted for the nation and was fulfilled with the Babylonian exile occurring in 586 BC when Babylon destroyed Israel and Jerusalem and the temple. But after Babylon was overthrown, the Jews were allowed to return under the Persian Empire. A third departure and return was predicted in Ezekiel 36 and 37. And in this prophecy, it states that the Jews will be scattered to the nations of the earth. Then God will gather them from the nations of the world and bring them back to the land promised to Abraham. Now, in Ezekiel 37, verse 21, the prophet states, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. So in this prophecy, the Jews would be scattered to the nations of the world and then be brought back to the land we did not see that in previous exiles in return for example the babylonian exile they returned from babylon not from the nations of the world also in this prophecy ezekiel sees a valley of dry bones and god commands ezekiel to prophesy and the bones come back together with flesh but the bodies remain lifeless in the valley So God commands Ezekiel to prophesy again, and the Spirit brings the bodies to life. Now, this reveals that there will be two phases on this third return. First, the Jews will return to the land, but spiritually dead, as seen in the bodies, you know, the bones that came together, but the bodies were dead. They're going to come back in a state of unbelief. Then at a later time, there's going to be a spiritual revival that comes upon the nation of Israel. Well, the Jews were scattered to the nations of the earth in 70 A.D. and one final time in 136 A.D. There they remained in exile for nearly two millennia. And their return to the land in 1948 was miraculous and appears to fulfill this prophecy. If you go to Israel today, they remain in a state of spiritual death or unbelief. It's a very secular country today. Right, so they have returned to the land, but they're in a state of unbelief that spiritual revival is going to come later. Now, if you study how the nation was able to return in 1948, it's quite miraculous how this all came about. So, the return in 1948 seems to fulfill this prophecy and the formation of Israel. And the return of the Jews is one of the most significant signs that sets the stage for Christ's return. Because fulfillment of the end times prophecy, as predicted in the book of Revelation, is predicated on Israel's rebirth as a nation and the Jews' return to the land. The second sign is the city of Jerusalem. Throughout the Bible, Jerusalem is the city of God. The importance of this city is seen in that it is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. There's not a city that has experienced more conflict than Jerusalem. The reason is that this will be the city from which Christ will rule the nations in his glorious kingdom. Satan has sought to usurp the throne and prevent the establishment of Christ's future rule. So for this reason, Satan has sought to take the city from Christ. Jerusalem plays a key role in end times prophecy and the temple will be rebuilt before or during the future seven-year tribulation the antichrist will attempt to rule from jerusalem and will once again desecrate the temple with his image according to daniel chapter 9 verse 27 and matthew 24:15 and revelation 13 verses 11 through 18. now when the jews returned to the land in 1948 They declared Jerusalem their historical capital, but they were not allowed into the city. It still remained under Palestinian control. So the Jews placed their capital at Tel Aviv, and it remains their capital to this day. Now, during the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel recaptured the city of Jerusalem and took control of the city. So for the first time in nearly two millennia, Israel controlled Jerusalem. Now, in 2017, President Donald Trump declared Jerusalem the historical capital of Israel, and he moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. And Israel said that they will move their capital from Tel Aviv to their historical capital of Jerusalem. Now, Israel has not moved their capital to Jerusalem at the time of this recording, but it seems that this inevitably is going to happen. Now, the Arab world has threatened to retaliate if Israel relocates her capital to Jerusalem. So this is a situation that we're going to watch here. At the end of the age, the Jews control Jerusalem, and it will be their capital during the end times. So this is very significant, what we're seeing here. The third sign is the crisis in the Middle East and the rise of Islam. Now, the tension and conflict in the Middle East, it continues to escalate. From the time of its founder, Muhammad, the religion of Islam has sought the destruction of the Jews. And it's significant you know, that Islam rejects the biblical teaching that Israel is God's select nation, and God will one day restore Israel and Jerusalem, and she will fulfill the call to be a light to the nations, the city on a hill, the city from which the Messiah will rule, will be Jerusalem, and the promises made in the covenants to Israel shall be fulfilled. And Islam, interestingly, rejects that. And along with the rejection of Israel, Islam rejects key biblical doctrines, including the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the authority of the Bible because it has been corrupted, according to their view, and Israel as God's chosen nation and the Christian church as the bride of Christ. Now, Islam teaches that Christ will return, but as a radical Muslim, and lead the armies of Islam in a worldwide slaughter of the infidel armies, specifically highlighting Jews and Christians. Now, Shiite Islam teaches uh, the return of the Mahdi, or the 12th Imam, the Messiah of Islam, along with the return of Christ, and what prevents the Mahdi's return is the existence of israel and the infidel armies of the west in the holy lands of islam so it's embedded in the theology of islam the destruction of jews and christians that was taught by muhammad and it's taught in their holy works and it's embedded in their eschatology and today radical groups like hamas hezbollah the muslim brotherhood and the plo are bent On the destruction of the nation of Israel. Since the formation of Israel in 1948, nearly every war against Israel involved an alliance of Muslim nations funded and armed by Russia. Now this alliance of nations is significant because in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it predicts that just before the seven-year tribulation, there will be a coalition of nations led by Gog and Magog. And if you look in Ezekiel 38:39, Gog and Magog is Russia, and the coalition of these na- Middle Eastern nations formed are presently Islamic nations that have sought the destruction of Israel. So if the return of Christ were to happen soon, then it would be an Islamic coalition led by the Soviet Union. And every war that has been fought against the nation of Israel has been an Islamic coalition of nations led by and financed by the Soviet Union. So this alliance among Russia and several Islamic nations is already established and waiting for another moment when they can launch a decisive campaign and wipe out Israel. So what we see with Islam and the rising tension in the Middle East further sets the stage for this prophesied battle. A fourth significant sign is the rise of another city, but this city is the city of Babylon. Now, in the Bible, Jerusalem is the city of God, while Babylon is the city of man. Babylon is the second most mentioned city in the Bible. This city has been the center of man's rebellion against God, beginning with the Tower of Babel way back in Genesis 10 and 11. And in 586 B.C., It's the Babylonian Empire that destroyed Jerusalem and deported the Jews, and the Jews remained in exile for seventy years. Babylon was conquered by the Persians in five thirty nine, but it was not destroyed. This city remained, and the Bible prophesies that it will rise once again. Zechariah chapter five verses five to eleven predicts that Babylon will rise again and one day be the epicenter of rebellion in the last days. In chapter 5, Zechariah receives a vision, and he writes, The angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, What is it? He said, This is the basket that is going out. And he said, This is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, This is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, that's Babylon, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. And so there at the appointed time in the land of Shinar in Babylon, wickedness will be unleashed for an appointed time. In Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon will be the financial and religious capital of the final world empire led by the Antichrist. And in the end, she is judged by God and eventually destroyed. Now, it's interesting that in the last 20 years, Iraq has arisen to prominence on the world stage. And it's interesting that Iraq sits on the second largest known crude oil reserves and next door is the oil-rich Kuwait, which Saddam Hussein tried to annex in 1991. And next to Iraq are the oil-rich countries of Iran, Kuwait, and Saudi Arabia. So a unification of these nations under Iraqi leadership would make this the wealthiest alliance in the world. And we know that when Saddam Hussein was alive, he poured millions into the rebuilding of the ancient city of Babylon itself to make her a symbol of the greatness once attained by Nebuchadnezzar. And if you remember throughout Iraq, there were portraits and inscriptions of Nebuchadnezzar and Saddam Hussein next to each other. He was obsessed with rebuilding the Babylonian Empire and the greatness of Babylon and its empire to be the new Nebuchadnezzar. And this ancient city of Babylon would indeed be the symbol of the greatness of this country and its empire once again. So the city which lay for centuries in ruins has arisen to prominence once again. Now the fifth sign is the unification of Europe. In Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter seven, Daniel predicts the rise of four great empires that would rule over Israel before Christ Mm -hmm. returns. Now in chapter two, the prophet sees a very large statue of a human figure made of four different metals, the head of gold, chest of silver, waist of bronze and legs of iron. Now Daniel is given the interpretation of this dream which King Nebuchadnezzar sees. Babylon is the head of gold. Persia, the next empire that would come, is the chest of silver. Greece is the waist of bronze. And Rome is the legs of iron. But it's interesting that as you look down the legs of iron, it eventually becomes feet mixed with iron and clay. Now, this is very important, as we'll find out later. In Daniel chapter 7, these four empires are pictured as beasts. Babylon is the lion with wings. Persia is the bear with three ribs in its mouth. Greece is the leopard with four heads and four wings. And Rome is the terrible beast pictured with ten horns. Now, both chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 10 of Daniel revealed two phases of the Roman Empire. The first phase would follow the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire, the historic Roman Empire, ruled from 100 BC to 476 AD. However, there will be a second phase of the Roman Empire. It shall return. And this phase will begin prior to the coming of Christ. Now, in Daniel chapter two, remember, it was the legs of iron and then it turned into feet of iron mixed with clay. And this reveals that the Roman Empire will arise again, but this future Roman Empire will not be as strongly unified as the old Roman Empire. The alliance of nations will be a volatile nation, just as iron doesn't mix well with clay. This will be a volatile kind of alliance, not a solid alliance as the old Roman Empire. Then in Daniel chapter 7, the beast with ten horns predicts that this final empire will be composed of 10 key nations of the old Roman Empire. Well, Rome fell in 476 AD, but it was not destroyed in the same way the previous empires were destroyed. The empire was not abolished, but divided up into the various nations of Europe today. And there have been attempts to reunite the old empire as Napoleon and Hitler attempted. But today we see something interesting. We see a cooperation of the European nations beginning to work together in a loose confederacy. One of these the most prominent one is the European Union. This began motivated by the events of World War II. Europe saw they needed to come together. And the unification process officially began in 1957 with the Treaty of Rome. And so today there are 28 nations that are part of the European Union. The euro currency is used every day by some 300 million Europeans and it shows you that there is cooperation and a coming together of the European countries. And what's interesting is the headquarters of the European Union is Strasbourg, France. They have a 600 member parliament that meets in a building that resembles the Tower of Babel. Isn't that interesting? So the European Union, I do not believe, is the end times empire. But what it shows is that there is a unifying movement among the European nations. Remember, for centuries, these European nations were always at war with each other. But now we see a cooperation and a coming together. So what we've seen in the last 50 years further sets the stage for what the Bible is prophesying, a revived Roman Empire sign six is a growing apostasy second Thessalonians 2 verse 3 predicts a time when there will be a great apostate departure from the church remember apostates are individuals who knew the truth of Christianity who were sitting there in church but they deliberately left the faith and embraced false teachings now Christianity has always struggled with apostate teaching throughout its history but in this passage, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul speaks of a specific time when there will be a significant departure from sound doctrine. If we are nearing the return of Christ, we should see a growing intensity in apostate teaching. And indeed, that is what's happening today. One of the best Bible scholars on the book of Revelation today is Dr. Mark Hitchcock, whose work I'm referring to quite a bit. And he says this. There is no doubt today that a deepening deception and surging apostasy are upon us. What we see in the visible church today is nothing short of shocking. We are witnessing the increase and intensification of apostasy we should expect if the coming of Christ is near. Another very fine Bible expositor was the late Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost of Dallas Seminary. And he wrote this, He said abundant evidence on every hand shows that men are departing from the faith. Not only do they doubt the word, they openly reject it. This phenomenon has never been as prevalent as today. In the period of the Dark Ages, men were ignorant of the truth. But never was there an age when men openly denied and repudiated the truth.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps schedule a conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483 Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcast, like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.